that's really interesting. I need to read that book. I'll check it out. Um, so I guess the sort of next bits to look at then would be, I mean, it's probably around theodicy. So we've kind of, we explored quite heavily the concept of um, fine tuning, but it'd be good as well to kind of hear, um, you know, Christians will kind of go, but why don't you look at this more in depth? So, so let's do that sort of, what are the sort of classic theodicies placed um, to answer the idea of a sort of um, a God that allows evil and suffering to be within this world? Um, and how do they not make sense for you? I'm, I'm aware why they don't make sense for me, but I guess kind of, you know, the classic things being sort of free will that we need to be able to have uh, a universe where these things are tangibly possible for us to then be able to pick and make a decision to move further and further towards um, a God if they're real. Um, and another one kind of uh, looks at the idea of sort of soul making. So the idea that you need to have um, the evil and suffering that we have present for us to then be able to... Um, I guess, culminate enough within us throughout our lives so that when we depart, our souls go to rest within the, you know, the, the, the abode of God, heaven, whatever language you want to use, that they're, they're, they're too, they're quite often spun around the idea of free will, uh, having conscious creatures making actual decisions to follow God and around the idea of soul building or, or person building that we need to go through this shit because that would mean we can actually go to God one day. Um, and are there any other theodicies that you've come, kind of come across that are maybe may better arguments than those, but why don't they make sense to you? That'd be really interesting, I think. Yeah, so I think there are two ways of responding to the problem of evil. One is to construct a theodicy, an explanation of why God allows evil. The other approach that's perhaps become more popular in recent times, so-called sceptical theism. Sceptical theists say, all the explanations are terrible. I mean, you hear Alvin Plantinga actually. He just he has no. He thinks all the. Th he's, he's he listen to him. It sounds like um, an atheist or something. He says, you know, all these theodicies people have come up with are all absolutely terrible. Uh, so we have no good explanation. But they try to argue. Um, we shouldn't expect to know why God allows suffering, because, you know, we're, God's so much more cognitively sophisticated than us. Anyway, that's an interesting strategy. I don't think it ultimately works out, but it's it's trying to say, you know, even though we can't give an answer, we shouldn't expect to be able to give an answer. And so it's like um, the analogy they sometimes give of you. You're standing on a, ver on a skyscraper, you look down on the floor, you can't, you can't see any ants on the, the pavement. Does that mean there are no ants? Well, no, because you you wouldn't expect to know to <clears throat> to see the ants if there were any. So they try to argue we wouldn't expect to know God's reasons for creating the universe, and so you know the fact that we don't have a good explanation shouldn't shouldn't give us any. We can't infer anything from that. Anyway, that's but just, just staying on theodicies for a moment. Soul making. Um, so that was the theodicy of uh, John Hick, who's actually my my first year as an academic. At the University of Birmingham, I went to do. He, he used to give have talks every week in his front room, and uh, I gave one of my first talks in his front room. He's a really lovely guy. He's actually the PhD supervisor of William Lane Craig. They are two very very different individuals. You know, I think John Hick was got a very left wing, a very liberal Christian. He sort of thought all faiths are just metaphorical ways of getting at the same truth, and. Uh, he believed in reincarnation. That was part of his soul-making theodicy. You know, what we don't perfect in this life, we, we perfect in another life. Um, probably, I think, you know, the most, perhaps the most elaborate theodicy is Richard Swinburne. You know, I think Richard Swinburne is, is a very interesting philosopher in lots of ways. I think he was the first person to really 
bring Bayesianism into philosophy of religion. And so he's a very interesting figure. Um, but it's the Odyssey. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of close to soul making, but I, I guess he thinks that the alternative would be a sort of Disneyland where, you know, there's no serious choices and there's no serious, you never, you never, there's no suffering to feel compassion for. So he thinks, you know, okay, so it's not, you'd have, you could have free will in Disneyland, but it's, you know, it's not really a meaningful life. So you need a, a wider range of free choices and you need some natural evil and suffering for those. So, it's only if people suffering that I can feel compassion and that I can choose to help them and be courageous and risk my life. And so anyway, that's what he thinks. And, you know, I, I can see the force of that. Um, my, my response in my book is to say, yeah, I can see the force of that, that there are some goods that we have access to, like the possibility of being courageous and being compassionate that you wouldn't have in a more perfect universe. But it seems to me the value of those goods is greatly lessened if if they're just give, created by God for the sake of giving us challenges. It, that sort of creates a kind of artificiality. <laughs> you know, so I have this story, I imagine, you know, I'm walking home from work and there's a burning building and there's a, a, a baby screaming in the window of the burning building. And so I bravely, you know climb up the pole pole telegraph pole and jump on the roof and jump in the burning building and rescue the child jump to the ground and everyone cheers and then camera crew come out and say oh you've won first prize in you know the courageous game show and you know the whole thing was set up as a sort of test to see if i'd be brave and that seems like oh god that really that's kind of sick and (laughs) it really makes it you know, it makes it feel kind of dirty now, you know, it makes it feel kind of really artificial. So, yeah, um, I don't, and you know, I just, Richard Swimmer, he's quite interesting because he considers the possibility of, even if it was, even if it's a, it's good to have those things, does God have the right to use people in that way? And I think it's quite credit to him that he, that he take, he considers that. He, he thinks God is, he has a very kind of, very anthropocentric idea of God. He thinks God is subject to moral obligations. And he thinks it's a moral question for God. Do I have, the, does God have the right? And, um, and I don't, it's credit to him that he raises that, but I don't think he really gives a good answer to it. That, you know, and it, it does end up feeling, he does kind of say things at some point, like, you know, if it were not for the Holocaust, lots of people wouldn't have been able to, feel compassion and it's just like i don't know it just starts to feel a bit a bit sick in some way and um there's a good discussion on um the unbelievable podcast him swinburne versus um bartum and and getting into these things but it's, it just does end up sounding a bit and i mean i suppose fine so I'm, I'm talking along I'm, I'm talking a bit too much now but just finally i suppose if there was i, I just Another thing is I just don't see any good argument to think the designer, if there is one, would be all-powerful. You know, the fine-tuning doesn't give us any reasons, coming back to where we started, it doesn't give us any reason to think the designer is all-powerful. So maybe if there was a good argument that the designer is all-powerful, then yeah, maybe we'd try and find some clever theodicy. But there is, in the absence of that, then you just take the evidence on face value. You just think, you know... 
the designer isn't all powerful or one of these other options or I, I just you know don't see why we should it's like so i feel like both the that the atheists are trying to find clever ways around fine-tuning the theists are trying to find clever ways around suffering just just accept you know you, you, you can avoid both problems by one of these middle way positions that's the sort of how i think about it so it was a bit long-winded If you enjoyed this clip, then head on over to Locals to access the full conversation right now. Supporters can access the video version and everyone can access the audio only version of the conversation. I'll see you over there.